if the world does end nuclearly, then being a game developer is the best thing to be. Why? Because everybody is trapped in underground bunkers now. They can't go outside. Yeah. Ah. What are they going to do for entertainment? Play your video this games. This is how VR becomes mainstream. Exactly. There it is. The nuclear apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Butterscotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 204 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I do various miscellaneous things. I'm Sam, and I'm the artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is Mirth Teen 20 Grand Teen. Mm, nice. Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything could happen on this show, in particular, swears. Lots of them. So if you are a baby or a child, then you don't get to you don't get to partake. Yeah. Now that we're in the 200s in the podcast episodes, I can't help but think about the status code, the HTTP status code. Every 204. Time 204 is like, hey, I got you, buddy, but I'm not giving you anything back. You know, mm, is that where we're at today? Is that I got yeah. you, but I'm not giving you yeah, anything 204 back. 204 is just like, we're here, but we're not fine. really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just not giving you anything, yeah. you know? What's the what's the next well known? Well, then they skip code. a whole bunch of them, you know. So like, because basically, like, you get you get two hundred, then two hundred one, and then two hundred two, and then two hundred four. Like two hundred three is just like it gives a fuck about that one. Two hundred three, yeah, we don't we nobody don't cares. We don't go there. And they're just kind of like, and they just kind of skip all the rest of the two hundreds. There's like nothing else that you do anything useful with. Well, then, they, they then you hit the three hundreds, and like that's that's basically the least useful one of all of them. So like we basically, and then you hit the four hundreds, and it gets really interesting. So we basically have two hundred episodes. Until we have really interesting status code numbers. So when we get to episode four years. Yeah. Ooh, should we not publish episode 404? I feel like that would be. (laughs) Just just publish it. Just have it be silent. Publish it. Uh Yeah, it's just beeps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. Or static. Static would be good. I think that's a good auditory experience. Uh, Yeah. Somebody in the questions also is asking for uh, an ASMR experience. And so (laughs) that might provide that. That would be a good option. They just just, have to wait for four years. Which error code is ASMR? I think I think four or four in this sort of concept kind of counts. Right. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, also, we'd like to thank our supporters over at MoneyGrab.Bscash.net who are uh, helping keep our mics on and lights on. So thank you very much. Let's talk about life. Sam went to San Diego. San Diego this past uh, week. Yeah, so I left on Wednesday and flew out there. And the best part was that you know San Diego. It's California, so it's your the weather is supposed to be like the reason everyone's out there, right? Because yep. incredible all you the time. You get those uh, those breezes coming in that smell like fish and seagull just, poop. You know, you just, got the ocean breeze. Just uh-huh. breathe it in. Just deep. breathe it in. And, Not uh, too deep though, because it's full of poop. Yes, we go out there, and the best part was that it was just happened to be overcast and rainy literally the whole time you were there, except mm-hmm. for like a twelve hour window. Um, and the reason I want to talk about this is because I thought it was so funny because everybody we talked to, like my wife and I are on vacations. Like we're already, we're just having a good time because we're on vacation, right? Yeah. Which means that regardless of our location, because we're sort of, we're, you know, you break from your routine. We're, we're not really checking our work emails. Like we're just kind of hanging out. You're so vacation mode. I'm on vacation. It doesn't matter where I'm at. It could be raining. It could be sun. It doesn't matter. So I think that's probably not true for a lot of people. It may not be because <laughs> everybody we talked to in San Diego, every single person, when they're like, oh, are you, are you guys from, from here? Where are you at? And we're like, oh, no, we're, we're visiting. We're on vacation. And they'd be like, I am so sorry. And we're like, what? About <laughs> what? It's like the weather. I'm just so sorry. It was, <laughs> it was as if, yeah, it was like this serious. Now, did you ever double down? Thing. Were you ever like, so what are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I, you going to make it up to me or what? Well, I think there's, there's no word for that. Or maybe there is. I don't know if there is a word, but uh, when like, cause I know that they're not taking a responsibility for the weather. They're just expressing, you know, their sympathies. Empathizing yeah. with your 
terrible, terrible situation. Yeah. Right. But the only word for that is like the only way to do this is just to say I'm sorry to someone, which is weird because it does have this culpability feel to it, which is like yeah, I did want to ask the question, like, what did you what yeah, did you do yeah. to this? It's yeah. weird that you can't just say I empathize. Right. You, know, you can't just yeah. you can't just say right. I Well you can't because you. you can say I feel for you. I feel you know? so bad. What about- if you do a, a 202 code or 204 code? Whatever. 204. Like, I got it, but I got nothing for yeah. it. <laughs> there it hey, is. 204. 204. No content. I'm so sorry. Oh, man. If we could integrate HTTP error codes into our day-to-day speech, I feel like that would mm-hmm. be a nice It would be helpful, yeah. Someone's like, hey, do you know about this? And you're like, 404. Mm, I guess no, don't, got, I don't, have no nope. idea. <laughs> or, or you're like, I don't 204, like I know all about it. I'm just not going to tell I'm you. I'm not going to tell you anything about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's two or two. It's like I gotta do some research first. I'll be back later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would really, really speed up our our interactions. Well, I mean, yeah, because yeah, we we already have you know shorthand, you know, lol speak or whatever, like whatever yeet. the fuck the kids call it. Yeah, yeet. for example. So what? Why haven't? <laughs> why haven't nobody's been able to discern what that truly means? But <laughs> I still, I still think it's like the word fuck. Just like you just you just use expletive. It. I thought it was the word cool. Which I guess is kind no. of <laughs> well, maybe yeah. Well, actually, yeah, cool and fuck are basically the same. Yeah. Well, no, because you, no, you can't not. use cool in every part of speech. Cool is just an adjective. Cool is an adjective. That's it. Fuck is all. all so all it's, verb, it's, it's like a square adverb. rectangle sort of situation. Square right? rhombus rectangle. Like cool. All cools are equivalent. No, is it right? Every cool would be equivalent to the word fuck, but not every. Not every. <laughs> Word fuck would be equivalent to cool in all context. No, I right? don't think they interchange. The I, I think, think they're yeah, they're not interchangeable. Yeah, because you don't you don't say that's because like you, you say something's cool, but you don't say that's fuck. That's, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying though, right? So if if it's a subset thing, right? It's like the square rectangle rhombus. I just still think I think it's not even a subset. Nope. I will. Nope. Find I don't think so. Shut, shut it down. <laughs> shut it down. I like where you're going with it, but I don't. I think that track leads off. But the my question though is, why haven't the youths? Given that they like to shorten ah, these youths, youths. Yeah. The, the youths like to shorten things, right? That's, that's kind of their whole jam, right? So, mm-hmm. given that air, that status codes, HTTP status codes, are just shorthands for really useful information, mm-hmm. you know, why haven't why have they not embraced this? Because they just don't know yet. They because the because they're they're young enough that they don't know about HTTP error. Codes. I guess that's, that's true. something you learn about later in life, you know. Yeah, well, but actually, part, part of but becoming here's the an thing adult is, is that <laughs> most people don't though, because because the other thing the youths care about is not letting their parents know what's going on. That's right? true. So, mm. and most parents don't know anything about HTTP status if, codes. If the youths, the youths should literally learn to speak in code. Yeah, like in just status codes. Just yeah. Status codes. Yeah. yeah. Now here's a question about about youths abbreviating things. Uh-huh. They're the demographic <laughs> that should be the least likely to abbreviate things because they got all the time in the world. They really do. Yeah, really, but they, but they feel like they don't. Right. But it should be the case that as you get older, you're abbreviating things more because mm. you're like, I got a, my the clock's ticking here. You know, yeah. I don't have much time left. Gonna get these words out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> awesome. I wonder if it's because. As you as you get older, the things you communicate actually have to be understood by a lot more people. You know, so like you have to you have to really yeah. settle on how to talk. Or maybe as you but get when older, you're a youth, like what you're saying doesn't matter. It's true. You know what I mean? Just yeah, like exactly, it has no impact on the mm-hmm. world really. And so you can invent and make up shit as much as you want because it doesn't matter if somebody's confused at your yeah. Intent. Or more, more specifically, yeah, as you're as you're younger, people don't think that what you say matters. Correct. Yeah, you could say the exact same thing as an older person, but you know, because you're yeah. young, people are like, yeah. yeah so you have a lot of freedom there. So you could just too. you could just speak in essentially gibberish and completely made up words, and people are like, yep, that's I'm getting that about tracks. the same amount of information as mm-hmm. I was before. I wonder so. if that's actually probably the motivation for the for the youths to make up words. Because because they they feel like they feel like the olds just don't like don't give a shit you know and so like well if you don't give a shit anyway mm-hmm. 
I might as well make you feel out of the loop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. By just making up some shit. There must be a subconscious thread in there yeah. somewhere. Uh, we got to also talk about the fact that uh, that John Wick 3 and Detective Pikachu are either They're Detective Pikachu in the box office in the same weekend. Yeah. yeah, which I think is a bold move considering that they exist in the same cinematic universe. I know, like uh, I, yeah, I'm shocked that they basically released you know the prequel yeah. and it's like releasing two Marvel movies at the same, at the exactly. same time. Crazy. Yeah. Um yeah and and I you know the thing that people aren't really talking about enough is that scene in Detective Pikachu where you actually see John Wick in the background mm-hmm. murdering like 900 people. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um I feel like that Probably should have pushed Detective Pikachu into like a, a little bit more of an R rating, mm-hmm. but uh, I guess I guess nobody noticed. I think it was because it was it's kind of blurry. You know? It's kind of blurry back there. Yeah. But um, and I think with the there's normal, so much blood. There was like, a normal uh, <laughs> whatever the green rating system is. You know that then mm-hmm. the MPAA or whatever it uses. Yeah, um, I think blurriness is a huge factor about whether or not. It oh yeah, moves it. So like, yeah. if you've got like blurry sex scenes, then oh, it's still that's still PG. It's fine. It's, fine, it's way know? back there. It's way back mm-hmm. there. It's you far. You can't tell what's going on. It could be happening in every PG movie. Probably is. There's just like these sex scenes happening in the back. Yeah. They're really they're far so away. Blurry, they're just like in tell. a they're in a building, the curtains are drawn. And it's just sex and murder. On the it's horizon. There, it's all there. Yeah, it's, it's all horrifying. There. I guess wait, no, it's not it's must just be about sex though, because murder I understand is fine. That's fine. <laughs> right? Yeah. In American culture. In American culture. Yeah. 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 Uh but don't be shown any no nipples. Any parts. Because no. that's that's worse than murder yeah. somehow. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so so you know, I think probably what we'll have to do is have a you know John Wick Detective Pikachu double header. Yeah. I'm definitely doing a John Wick marathon. I think it's that it's hundred percent happening. Yeah. It's kind of hard though, because like it's hard to figure out which one to watch since they both occur at the same moment in time in the John Wick Detective Pikachu universe. Yeah, so you know what yeah, I mean? so what order do you watch them in? Yeah, it's like because if you watch yeah, maybe maybe they did this to get repeat views because like if you watch Detective Pikachu, you're gonna see various scenes of John Wick popping in From and murdering angle, Pokemons right? and stuff, yeah, yeah. and then then you can be like, what's his motivation? Oh wait, John Wick murders Pokemon in the news. Well, sure, he kills everybody. Okay, yeah. You know, <laughs> he does not discriminate. Yeah, actually, no, 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 no. There, there, no there's, there's some, there's some gangster because, Pokemon because Pokemon are too close to dogs. Yeah, they're close to dogs. I don't think John Wick would touch a Pokemon. No, I don't think so. No, but oh, that Mr. Mime. That thing. That's true. He's, <laughs> weird. he's too close to a human. <laughs> yeah, he's a blurry line. Yeah. So, so like, so you'll <laughs> see that. Literally in the movies. Then you go watch John Wick, you know, and then all of a sudden all of these scenes start to make sense. Oh, you gotta go and back. Like, oh, and then you gotta go back. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna like, they're, they're, they're kind of double dipping here. You're gonna watch John Wick. You're gonna watch Detective Pikachu. Go back, watch John Wick mm-hmm. again. You have to just you know? watch them both forever. Now actually. you're caught in a loop, yeah. and that's how they get you, you know? Uh, also, I am definitely gonna watch both of those movies. Yeah. That is 100%, 100%. happening. Yeah. I I may not see Detective Pikachu in theaters. I might just I wasn't hold off on that. Going one. to my wife really wants to see it. And I think it's going to be very entertaining. It'll be fun. Um, so I'm not. I don't need to see it in theaters. But I think there's something about the fact that it's coming out at the same time as John Wick. I think <laughs> just for some reason <laughs> it feels like you have. To I do feel it. like I have to do. You it. have to make a weekend of yeah, it. Yeah, just have that very interesting experience. Yeah. I can only have once in my life. And mm-hmm. then of course the the. Series finale of Game of Thrones is coming this upcoming weekend. Oh, is that really the last one? The last yeah. episode next weekend. Yeah. Next weekend, full stop. Which is funny because I actually thought there was two more left when we were watching last night, and so this I was really confused because everything seemed like it. I was like, "Wow, it's like a lot of stuff is wrapping up here." <laughs> Didn't the first couple crazy. seasons have ten episodes, and then they like yeah. knocked it down to seven? It was yeah. seven and six. Yeah, and of course, it's not a coincidence that um, in the most recent episode, 
John Wick and Pikachu show up in the at Game the of Thrones last moment on a fucking dragon. Oh my god! Hey, it was a Charizard, spoilers. Actually. I have yeah. still not I'm on not a Charizard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. John Wick, father of Charizards, yep. shows up to take on the mother of dragons. Mm-hmm. Father of Charizards. whole thing. It's crazy. It was wild. Um, and I did not, also did not expect Kramer from Seinfeld to come bursting in at the end and, yeah, and no. kill everyone. Mm-hmm. That was a real Just big, with real that, big with moment. That little uh, sort of jingle thing that happens when he does that. You know, yeah. Everyone's dead. Like a bass slap. I don't even know. It's a a bass something or other. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like the crossovers are just. It's kind of. It's 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 getting out of hand. Hard to handle, you know. Yeah. Up is down, down is up. I don't know. Nothing nothing makes sense anymore. Let's talk about Level Head. Okay. Uh, So what's happening this week? We've got some. So even though Sam was was gone Mm -hmm. uh, for half half of our dev cycle for this patch, we've still got some stuff coming. Yep. Uh, so we have we have a couple new items coming. Uh, what do we have? We got the enemy generators. Yes, so which I mean, people have been wanting to play with for a long time. Well, the best part is they've made all sorts of contraptions to basically make enemy generators themselves. And yeah. So we had we have our list of items that are still uh, you know working through and, and on the docket to get in. Um, and this one's been we've used it in a couple of scenarios, but haven't actually built any levels around it. And so. I was finally just like, okay, we probably should do this one sooner. It was going to actually come much later, but everyone's been building these Yeah, people do things machines. like they'll make these contraptions where it's like they put a bunch of enemies in these little slots and then they like have treadmills hooked up to switches. They like throw the enemy out off yeah. the level. <laughs> or you throw know? them into a portal. And yeah, ship. into a so, portal. So these will let you do that sort of thing, um, which is – they're a lot of fun. And so I built a couple of different levels uh, around that and exploring that concept a little bit just to give some people ideas. And then also the Electro Shield. Uh, will be coming in. So, because we're not going to throw a bunch of new and en- a bunch of like enemies at you without also turning you into a supercharged lightning ball of exactly. murder. And so, I so made a few levels that are oriented around that. So, basically, those, those two really every so often we have a, uh, a pairing of items that just like you gotta you gotta bring those together, right? Yeah. And so, uh, these two had to be delivered together. So, there's uh, three new levels, I think, and then two more unlocks that are coming into the campaign. So, yes. A little bit of more more fun campaign stuff, uh, which should open up some more interesting gameplay opportunities. Yeah. And then all, also, we've been prototyping some some new items that have only been on the drawing board for the longest time, but that we wanted to use to kind of expand the switch receiver system in Levelhead. But uh, one of the side effects of this is that so in Levelhead in the editor, whenever you want to change the values of something, maybe you got a cannon, and you're like, I want this cannon to shoot a little bit faster or a little bit slower. We just have these little arrows that you click to increment or decrement uh, numbers. Decrement? Decrement. To to increment or decrement Mm -hmm. the numbers. Um, And so this meant that that in order to keep you from having to click the arrow like a billion times, then we had to kind of create these intervals. So maybe you've got like a a, a cannon or like a blaster or something, and you can rotate it at like – I don't know, 45 degree intervals or something like that in terms of its like spin speed. Um, so that way you just like click the arrow a couple times, you get the number right. you want. So you don't have super fine control. Yeah. So, so it, it made it easier to get things going, but it, it removed some degree of control for the players. So with some of these items that we're prototyping that I'm not going to disclose what they are, um, they actually have a much broader range of possible values. So we're talking anything from like zero to 600, but incrementing by one. Right. Well, you don't want to like click the fucking arrow six hundred times. times, you know, to get to where you want to go. And so it's good finger exercise. It is, but you know, I feel like it just takes too long. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, our level head players are, have already gotten a ton of finger exercise, and like they're 
You know, you know, like you see somebody with like a ripped bicep, they're like their index finger now yep. has like a, yeah. mm-hmm. it's a bicep of its own. They uh, also have abs. They've got abs on the backs of their fingers. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Weird. Yep. <laughs> so, so we added this. So I've added this past week, this little like button that you can hit next to the air or next to the, uh, the increment decrement arrows that summons a little sort of numpad window. And now you can just type in exactly the values that you want. And so, so this has the. A few benefits, like one is it makes it way faster to use the editor just in all cases. Um, so if you have something that you need a switch ID of 38, you're not like click, 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 you know, now you're just like 38, enter. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this also made it so that you can now get around the constraints imposed by those um, interval markers. So previously, if you had a, if you had a blaster and you're like, this is spinning, how fast is it spinning? You get like 90, 180, 270, 360 or whatever. Now you can say this blaster is rotating at three degrees per second, and you can right. you can do that now, um, or you can have a cannon that cool that cools down on a one point two nine second interval instead of like one two three four, right? So, uh, so I started playing around with this with things like clock switches, and and we're gonna see some crazy shit come out of this just because mm-hmm. of the sudden degree of control yeah. that this that this new feature provides. But the challenge, of course, is that you have to keep it uh, accessible for new people coming in. So those intervals are still extremely important. Yes. It's all still there. Yeah, But then there's a question of like, what does this do for the rest of the feel of that system? Yeah. So there's one, there's one interesting outcome of this, which I kind of thought would happen, um, which is that, which is that once you make constraints more apparent, then people hone in on them Mm -hmm. and become sort of up, not like upset, but just kind of like people are a gas. They fill the space that's available to them, and then they start exerting pressure on the boundaries of the space, yep. and they're like, I want to go out of there. Yep. You know, this is why boundaries. we went to the moon, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you can't – you just can't contain – if the boundaries are obfuscated a bit, then people kind of don't bother. Yeah, yeah. The earth is like, hey, we got food. We got water. We got air. Mm-hmm. We got gravity. What do you need? We got everything. He's like, I need to be elsewhere. Humans are like, but what about <laughs> up there? And the earth is like, it's why? Just, why? It's just a dusty rock. It will kill you. Why would you go there? People are like, fuck you, earth. <laughs> and then they just take off, right? So so basically what happened was up, up until this point and still after this point – uh, we have min- minimum and maximum values on all these different things. So if you have a blaster that can shoot the player out at, a, at different speeds and the speed goes like a minimum of 2000 and a maximum of 3,500. Okay. Um, so th- those mins and maxes are there for reasons, which is like, if you shoot out too slow, anything slower than 2000, you basically just kind of fall out of it. Yeah. Right? No it's point. real dumb. Right. And if you go faster than 3,500, you are now moving so fast that you now will cl- – Can't make collision Yeah, checks. you can't – you'll clip through things and it breaks the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it's when we create this numpad, now that you can type the numbers in, we need to show you the mins and the max values. So you could they, type in 3,600. Right. You could type in 3,600 and then if you hit enter, then you need to know like why is it the case that I typed in 3,600 and then it just chunked it back down to 3,500, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you can't go outside the, the bounds. And so we actually have to now display the mins and the maxes where previously it would just cycle around them using the, the arrows. So as soon as, as soon as we showed them, uh, a conversation popped out in our Discord of people being like, I don't like this. <laughs> I want to be able to go above the max and below the min, uh, or, yep. or this max is too low and this min is too high. And, uh, and of course, the maxes and the mins are exactly what they have been the whole time. And nobody 
really said anything about it. Yes. But now that they can see it, they yeah, want this to is get exactly it. one of those really wrinkly design problems when it comes to dealing with humans. Which is uh, when you th- when you think as a designer that you're, for example, giving giving people more control is good. Like maybe that's a tenet of yours. Uh, the reality but it's is a that slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope, and that. You can you can increase, for example, player player control, or even just you know increase the visibility of of certain things in your game's design with full intent to say like players really want X, so we're going to give them X. The the reality though is that it cascades in this interesting way where now because you're doing that, you also have to handle you have to be very clear about why it is, for example, that blasters can only go to thirty five hundred because everyone's going to ask immediately. What about thirty six hundred? Can I go? How come I can't go to four thousand? And the fact that they can type it in is actually the problem because yeah. up until that point where you just had to click around, you never saw well, the, the number point, bigger than thirty five hundred. Well, the point is that you couldn't. There was no way to possibly enter something above that, right? Yeah. But now that you can, and then it, and then the game sort of like slaps you back in line. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very different experience. It feels like you've lost something exactly. now because you could type it. And so there's always this uh, this push and pull on these on some of these systems where it's like, okay, you know, we want to give people that additional control because we know that that will make for some interesting contraptions and it will open up a few of these design spaces for people and also let us do some of the stuff with new items that we need to do. But uh, it will also make the experience worse in certain ways because mm-hmm. it is worse to type in a number and then have the game be like, nah. Yeah. And Actually, so, yeah. What happens when you type in that number that's too high? Does it does it just tell you that it's bad and that's it, or what is it? No, you you can type in whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It shows you the min and the max. Yeah. And then when you hit when you hit enter to like lock the number in, then it'll it'll constrain it within the min and the yeah. max. Okay. So it'll just right. It'll just clip it. Yeah. So if, so if you put in four thousand, you hit enter, and it's like oh, 3,500. Right. Yeah. 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 This is one of those interesting things where you can you see this happen. Uh, well, actually, a lot. There's a lot of games that that is at some patch point they'll do something like this where they'll make something more available to the players than than it previously was which actually has a sort of a it actually makes the players angrier on average yeah it could it could actually create it could create yeah. dissatisfaction so we're going to do this for now but if everyone gets pissed off about it, <laughs> i have no i have no interest in continuing to do this so we're going to try it we'll see how it works um but this early access is exactly yeah. well and part of it was like the reason that we didn't allow for inputting numbers before was because of actually control scheme problems yes. right because if you're using a gamepad like you don't have numbers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you need an, an interface to type the numbers in now the same thing goes with touchscreen where if we plan to bring the game to mobile like you can't type mm-hmm. in numbers right so we needed some kind of interface Mechanism. to do that yeah. so the easiest move was to just have the little arrows first and then you know add this later um yeah so we'll have to we'll see how it goes yeah, I think I think it'll be I think it'll be good for the most part. Yeah, we may just need to update feedback. So, like for example, if somebody starts like if they type in four thousand or something, if it's just like and then it you know immediately resets it to the to mm-hmm. be in the boundaries instead of like letting you type the number yeah. and then it should, enter, it should immediately. You know? and, and actually, you see this in web forms all the time. Yeah, like web forms, if you, as soon as you try to go out of some bound, they just they just knock it back to where it's supposed to be. Yeah. And that's it. I think I think people understand that. Display well, like, it in red, or you know, yeah. Because I, I think it's actually it's it's the it's the negative parts of the feedback that are really the problem. Because if someone starts typing it in, and they don't actually don't get any feedback at all. The number just like smacks back down to something, mm-hmm. and no matter how they try to get above it, it always just smacks back down. Yeah. they'll then understand that that means okay. Well, that's the highest I can go. Like right. they'll, they will have found it by exploring, and they'll be like, okay. But I love this sort of thing because this is exactly one of those. This is a one of those quintessential design problems to me, where it sort of opens up the point about why good design is so hard and so important, which yeah. is like. Okay, you want – let's let players enter numbers in, right? doesn't seem like a big freaking deal. But it's like, okay, <laughs> if you don't think about it, all you will do is make everyone angry. Right. right. Despite, despite give, yeah. giving a new yeah. functionality. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you got to think but, but, and I think, I think the most fascinating part about this is people will be 
justifiably angry. Yes. Right? Because like because it's a it's a you've put them into a different context where now all of a sudden they have new pieces of information to think about and focus on that previously were hidden, mm-hmm. right? And once they can see them, they reasonably react. Because like once you can see a min and a max and you think like, oh, that's it. That's, yep. a, that's all I get. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, because once you couldn't see it, you had no way to like fully yeah. wrap your mind around it. And so, yeah, I mean, the, it's not to say that anybody is being unreasonable here. It's just that we have to be very careful about how we uh, portray yeah. and convey this kind of stuff. Well, part of it too is like, it's it's not just things like if things go too fast, they clip, right? It's also things like we designed certain enemies to have uh, an, 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 an intended feel, right? So mm-hmm. like the, the blobfish, little little floaty guy that just kind of sits there and is barely an enemy at all, right? Yeah. Um, it's meant basically to be a bouncing platform, to be like a gentle enemy, you know, whatever. The moment you can make that thing move at a thousand pixels per second, uh, this just that's a completely different. Which we actually had. So we, we added the uh, circular movement patterns in last week. Yeah, yep. just last week. I, I think so. Maybe two weeks ago. Who knows? I don't know. I'm in a bit of a time warp. Yeah, who knows? I don't know what's happening. Um, but we added that in, and before we had when Seth had first showed me, he had a blop flush going in a circular path that was going at like. 360. Or something or yeah, it was, it was whipping around this thing and it yeah. felt horrible. Like I looked at it and I was like, I hate this. And then, <laughs> and then, and then we sort of played with it a little bit. And, and we, we almost took out the circular pads. Yes, because it felt it, it felt fine on the saws though for some reason. Yeah. And so we're like, what? And so we realized that the blockfish needed to have a lower bound on that speed in order to feel like a blockfish. Otherwise, yeah. it just turned into a saw. And now, yeah, now it's a saw. Well, but also, it also like it changed the feel of the game, right? Because now. Yeah. Because you got to think, like, of course, the game, a lot of the game is supposed to let you kind of do whatever you want, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of its whole thing. But if you do too much of whatever you want, it becomes obvious that a person has, like, rigged up things, yeah. you know? It's so, like, if all of a sudden the an, an enemy no that longer... feels slow is mm-hmm. suddenly going really fast, then you can tell, like, oh, just a, a person just, like, decided to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it becomes yeah. very obvious and it ruins yeah, the well, design. And, and there's that, that layer of people need to be able to easily discern one item from another. Yeah. So, like, so another big request we get is yeah. people want to be able to uniquely change the AI of enemies, uniquely change the physics of individual objects mm-hmm. and be like, this key has no gravity, you know, or that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Um, and, and what that does is then it, it makes it so that, you know, at the core, then what that would mean is that why don't we just like make just one item and you just choose what it looks like and, and then just drop properties. behaviors on it. Right. Yeah. Well now, now we don't have a, an understandable game experience. Well, now we have a game a shared, engine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what, what we want is that when you come into a level, like if you see a key, then you, you know exactly you know how, how it's going to behave, or at least, you know, the parameters of its behavior and you can easily pick out. Yeah. Well, how and it's already, it's already an interesting conflict with that, that you get by, by allowing people to input numbers. Right. Cause this is a design discussion we had a while ago too, about should we even let this happen? Yeah. Because uh, outside of the whole out of bounds problem, there's also just, the degree of flexibility within the bounds, thing, yeah. right? Because as soon as – if things can only increment by like 45 degrees or whatever, right? Then all of a sudden things are super predictable. You like you know how things can be oriented. You know, like if you're going to shoot out of a barrel, if it can only move at 45 degree increments or whatever, you know like – you know what the angle is going to go. You can become an expert actually at that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. The moment you have full, full 360 degree rotation or the moment you can choose uh, a speed – you know, on the order of like between 300 pixels per second and like a thousand or whatever it yeah. is, right? On this huge, huge range where you have like on a pixel or even sub pixel scale, now all of a sudden when a player comes in and enters somebody's level, they actually can't, they can't use their expertise. They can't use their expertise yeah. in like fighting a blobfish, for example, because yeah. part of that is based on how, how it moves. Yeah. And like, and if it's moving just a little bit faster in one level than at another level, 
even just a little bit, then it's not perceptibly different, but now your expertise breaks down, right? Would you, I mean, you can do that to a degree. And this is the thing. It's like you, you find places where people can are allowed to do this, which like the path right. system and stuff. So there's enough flexibility in the system as a whole where you can do this, but it's not – there's a very big difference between like baking it into every single yeah. enemy versus having it require a few additional steps for a player to figure out how to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, to get some really tricky – yeah, so so I think I think right now we're just we're going pretty pretty deep onto this numpad thing and saying like we're just going to put it wherever just wherever. Mm-hmm. If it turns out to create problems with certain items, we may have have to actually like disable it on those yeah. items mm-hmm. or whatever. Um like if if like right now treadmills go like 100, 200 whatever in speed up to 700. Well, if you can make a treadmill go like 129, like does that yeah. Well, but the point is at that point. <laughs> the point is why? Because the reality right. is that you don't need that. You don't need that degree of control actually on almost anything. Well, you might though. If you're, for example, making a music box or something, and you need like a very specific speed, like we. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think it's like if you don't have that control, then you you don't need it because you can't have it, and then you're like, whatever. I'll just work within the constraints. But once you do have it, then all of a sudden there are things you can do that otherwise. Maybe- yeah, but is, but is that is that sort of that. Uh- Perpetual conflict between experts and and novices, right? Yes. Because it makes it if you're an expert and you have that control, then you can do all kinds of really cool stuff. Yeah. If you're a novice and have that control, then it makes your experience worse, actually. Because you now, have too many options. Because you have too many options. But it's not only that your experience is worse; it's that you make a worse thing because yeah. you don't get to make a thing that actually obeys standards, right? Because standards are super fucking important. Standards yeah. are just constraints that we've all agreed on so that we can understand what's going on in the world, yeah. right? And with a with a game like Levelhead, if a, if a constraint is that treadmills have these like very defined speeds that they can go at, then to, you know a, a dozen novice players can then use treadmills in their levels, and other people can play those levels and understand what's going to happen. Right? If you come into one level and because because and experts will have reasons for why they set things at a certain speed, right? And novices will not; they just will choose things. And so since the vast majority of, of things being made in any context, but, you know, in, in level head included, are made by novices, then the moment people have just full, full creator mm-hmm. freedom, then it basically makes the, the player experience completely unpredictable. Yeah. So right. that's, that's well, yeah. the yeah. So, yeah. that's the rub. So, yeah, when it comes to these mins and the maxes, as long as we keep the mins and the maxes, then everything is largely going to be fine. Yeah. Except in those specific cases where if for whatever reason the interval itself was extremely important, yeah. then we have to make sure that we don't, you know, don't break that. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. That's going to be all that. To do. Yeah. And then we also well, – That's the funny thing too, right? It's like the amount of flexibility that people now have with the numpad is actually fucking enormous, right? Yeah. But the first thing that somebody would think is like, I don't have enough – Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah really, we just we just blew the lid off of what was possible, and then now people are like, "Why, why are you why are you keeping me in this box?" Yeah, there's no lid. True, but still, there's walls on this yeah. box. Much um, <laughs> chaos, monkeys. Yeah, and then we also have a, a much larger feature that is uh, sort of churning in the background. So I think I think this patch is actually going to have it's going to be a, a little bit more abbreviated in terms of more like, item focused. Yeah, in terms of like the number of of changes and bug fixes and stuff. Oh, but we also have a massive improvement on the editor of like probably on the order of 10 to 15 frame per second boost in a lot of cases, if you're building a really big level. So, so we, like we do have some really good fixes coming, but we also have a much larger feature that we are not talking about yet. Well, just to point out the, so the reason that that is just the spike trap improvement thing you did on the editor. Well, it was, it was 34, to 34 different items. I, I overhauled with how they work in the editor. Yeah, so so. The, uh, keep this in mind. Like when we, the reason we were pacing out the content like this is not just to pace out content in early access, but it's because when we build levels using the new items that are going in, always, always we find new interesting ways to like optimize this stuff or problems with it. So I built this level. One of the new levels that's coming in has a lot of spike traps in it, yep. a lot. And 
as I was building it, I was like, this is getting slubbed. I'm like 20 frames per second on my beast of a machine, yeah. but only in the editor. And so I was asking Seth about it, and he's like, well, I mean, you should probably remove some of those. And I was like, I mean, that's fair, but you know, but still, but still, I want to cover those. Especially if it's like, only in the editor, you know, yeah, it feels like it feels unfair that it yeah. doesn't, mm-hmm. yeah, doesn't and work. So, yeah, so I looked into it and found a bunch of cool optimizations to do. So that's part of the reason why we build the levels ahead of time and then make a bunch of bug changes and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I know somebody, somebody uh, in commenting somewhere was like, sort of vaguely accused us of sort of faking the content drip. Oh, so, yeah. What did they say? Like you guys already finished the game and now you're just like yeah. unveiling parts right. of it. And it's because <laughs> I wish. Which is, yeah. No, I was Jesus like, man, Christ. I fucking wish we were yeah. that good. But, but in some ways it's kind of a, it's kind of a fair guess though, right? Cause if you, if you look back at some of our early trailers and you look at some mm-hmm. of the content we put out where there are items that yeah. are not yet in the game and we, you know, we freely tell people, yeah, yeah, we, we do have those things. They're just not, we're not making them available yet. Um, but it's because we basically made a whole bunch of stuff that is under tested. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Basically, basically at the time we launched into early act or at the time we went into to the pre-alpha, the, the way we were talking about it internally was that the whole game was 80% done, yes. which meant that no individual part of it was actually ready for, right. for consumption. Like we hadn't fully tested each thing on its own and then we hadn't fully optimized mm-hmm. things. We hadn't bugged, bug tested stuff we hadn't polished stuff so like we we didn't want to we didn't want to release a 100 percent game where every single piece of it was only 80 percent done yeah. right so instead we kind of like we narrowed it down to the things that we thought that were like the most interesting and the most crucial right yeah. out of the gate actually polish those polish those up and now we've still got a bunch of rough edges on these final items and it's definitely but, the case once we and the thing is like we still have plenty of stuff to do but i think it's a funny part because it's it takes you know a week or two to add two items to the game when the items are quote unquote already done according to this person's model right, right? Yeah. Um, right which is a super important note because it is true that once once we get clear of the stuff that we have sort of made that we've been waiting to get into the game then yeah it'll take a little bit longer things go slower stuff. yeah um but that's but actually not fine. even that much slower not that much slower it's just the, it'll be the initial build that's yeah. gets added in which tends to take like a couple of days so yeah it's going to be yeah. It'll be interesting to see kind of how this how this pans out. Yeah, as 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 we talked about a lot, the hard part is finishing things yes. and polishing things. Like yeah, we just could, just, we, just jamming it in there is like yeah. We could have true. we could have like this week ten new items in the game that we could have like in a trailer. Mm-hmm. But once we release them, they'll just be terrible. Like they'll be crashing. <laughs> they'll be bad. badly balanced. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. They'll interact weirdly with each yeah, other. Like yeah, and this, this is actually something that's very common in, for example, like E three. Is yeah. studios will will put together a like press demo that is essentially non-functional as a game, but it is functional as a demo yes. where you can like you can see how things sort of like how things will eventually work, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but they only work in this one very specific contrived scenario. Yep. So you can show people, right? Yep. So yeah, but it's all coming. It's all it's all coming together. Um, and then Sam, you also watched a, there's a documentary on YouTube about God of War. Yeah. I thought I'd let everybody know about it. So PlayStation released it uh, a couple of days ago. It's a two hour documentary about the, basically the behind the scenes about God of War and Santa Monica studios who made it. Um, and I don't think I'm going to say the newest God it, of War. Yeah. The newest one. So where's yeah, Santa Monica um, studios located? What's the, it's hard to guess. It's hard to say. Um, probably my Sweden. guess is Florida yeah. somewhere. Probably. Yeah, Florida. The interesting problem though, is that they had to, because the, the franchise that they're known for is God of War. Then when Sony hired them to make the new one, they couldn't tell anybody that they they were, couldn't say like we're working on a new game. Yeah, because like, everyone would be like, oh, I wonder oh, what yeah. that is. And so <laughs> uh, they had to just be quiet for years about it. Uh, but the story is really interesting, and I think it more so than anything, it it humanizes the dev cost side of things. And there there is this one question they asked the two producers on the project, uh, who's two uh, the two women who sort of like run the show, and 
one of the questions was like, oh, you know, what's the, like, can you tell us about any of the sacrifices you guys had to make to do this? And they're both just sort of, they both sort of look at each other for a second. And then one of them, one of them's like, well, you know, she's like, I have a really supportive husband, really supportive family. And so, uh, you know, it's hard, but you sort of got through it. And the other one just sort of looked at the interview and was like, I don't want to answer that question. It was just like, <laughs> holy shit. Uh, like, and she's just, you know, like you could see it. And then everyone, like it, it comes up multiple times where the human cost of making something this big is tremendous. Yeah. Right. And, and not just in terms of man hours, but in terms yeah. of everything. As so in, yeah, people lose their health or their relationships yeah. or yeah. Yeah. It can get for putting bad. in uh, 80 hours a week into for four years, for four years, mm-hmm. five years into anything. Yeah. So uh, it's, if you're interested in more of, you know, kind of like the podcast, like just behind the scenes stuff and seeing how humans as people make stuff like this. Uh, it's really interesting. Very yeah. Also, if you are, if you still romanticize the idea of, you know, also good for you of making games, good for you. It's good. Yeah. It's good to have the, <laughs> what is it, the, the wool peeled off of your eyeballs. I don't know. Ugh. I don't know these things. I guess, the yeah. Wool off your eyes. I mean, yeah. If the wool got pulled over them and you got to pull it back you gotta off, peel it back off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. It's, yeah. it's all stuck on, stuck on Get some of those wool contact lenses. Yeah. Very itchy. Ow. Do you, <laughs> do the insides of your eyelids itch? Is that a I think is that can. a feature that they have? I think they can. I think it's when you get like allergies, your eyes get itchy, right? Because your eyeball. Oh, but what feel part anything. of it? No, your eyeball does feel like. But you, you got it numbed. Remember back in your LASIK times. Remember how weird it was to have your eyeball numbed. That's more paralyzing it because your eyeball doesn't feel pain. Oh, it does. does it? But oh, like totally. when you we have an itch like on your arm. Like, oh, I got to scratch. I feel like, <laughs> like I got to scratch that. So you're like, mm, and you scratch it. And you're like, fuck yeah. Has anything ever happened on your eye? We're like, I got to scratch my eye. Like, I got to scratch it. I mean, I, you got to rub it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you got to you know? rub it. You got to rub it. But, but yeah. is it your eye? It's more dryness. To, I don't know. Someone, we need an ophthalmologist. We need a doctor. We need a doctor in here. Is yep. it an ophthalmologist? Oph- ophthalmologist. O P H T H. Ophthalmologist. Ophthalmologist. Nope. Ophthalmologist. That's a different one. What about an optometrist? That's just, that's easier to say. Okay, Off, that's correct. Optometrist. Nope, just optometrist. <laughs> uh, I do want to go back. So I want to go circle back just for a second, really, really far backwards to, to this question of decrement versus increment. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Which is only just ask a question: If you can be decrepit, 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 mm-hmm. can you also be increpit? Increpit. And what does that mean? If you're increpit, that means you're like you're killing doing, it, right? It must mean you're doing great. You're like very this strong. Is, well, this is, is like, that a, like a. But you must be like superhuman at that point because decrepit is relative to where you're supposed and to be. And of right? course, decrepit is where you're just hanging out. Yeah, it's like fine. it's like being whelmed. Yeah. So people are like, how are you doing today? I'm like, I'm crepitable. I'm crepitable. Maybe incredible right comes now. from uh, increpit. Mm. You know, incredible, increpit. Maybe Incre- increpitable. No, yeah. I think it comes from credible. That's possible. Too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those are two different possible. D possible, and P possible. are not the same. Uh, credible. <laughs> credible is like, I believe that. And incredible is like, I know that. I can't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uncredible. Uncredible is I did believe that, but no, I don't. And, and recredible. recredible is where you're like, I believed it, and then I believed it again. Yeah, twice I believed it twice. It Never even so stopped first time. It. I had to go. So good. And decredible is just to remove the creditability from it. It's yeah, a decredit. Decredit. It's a word, right? Now I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could do. Every now and then on the podcast, we get into these like much. semantic black holes and uh, we can't get out of them. My brain. We'll have to figure this out. Nah, it's probably fine. we'll have to start up a program some other time. Uh, let's get on to questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.basecatch.net. You can go there, ask questions, upvote questions, and then those questions go on the podcast. 
top upvoted question is from Bpom Dupe Roost, who says, Hey Seth, how's your experience with Unity going? When can we expect an FPS Crashlands 3D remake? <laughs> yes, Seth, how's that going for you? Uh, not, not good. Yeah. I, started, I started working with it and I was like, this is way harder than necessary to, <laughs> to do almost everything. Um, I was messing around with Quaternions and oh, I was yeah. like, this is... Ludicrous. That's how you measure rotation in it? Or what's a quaternion? I don't know. I did a bunch of reading. <laughs> there, there's actually like 43 pages in the Unity documentation of how to rotate an object. And it all comes down to understanding like the math of quaternions, which mm. is not how you measure rotation as far as I understand, but it is how you rotate things. Mm. Um, and they were always like, they were like, never set the rotation of things. Just rotate them. I'm like, what the fuck is the <laughs> So I played around with that for quite a while, trying to make a spaceship bank. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, because in Game Maker, I'm like, image angle plus equals five. Done. I've done it now. Mm-hmm. What do you think that does? What do you think that does, guys? I think just it, intuit this. I think it probably changes the image angle. Yeah. By, by five. five degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or radians. Or radians. Yeah. Because, of course, time. like in 2D, you have one point of rotation on right. every object. And in 3D, you have three points of rotation because they have three yep. axes to rotate on. Yep. And. Uh, and then the the rotation of an item is actually like a sequential – it's like a sequential rotation. So it'd be like you first you rotate it on one axis, then on another axis, and then on the other axis. Right. And then mm-hmm. that gives you what the rotation is. So it's weirdly – Is that what is? Yeah. So like it's weirdly difficult to just be like, what angle is this thing pointed at? And mm-hmm. they're like, well, we got to work backwards. We got to <laughs> – let me take you on a journey, you know. Um, so he is a very different beast. It is. I, I think, I think working in unity, it, it really highlights like just how far back we would have to go if yeah. we switched to 3d yeah. in terms of like Huge relearning how to do, cause, cause the great thing about 2d is you just, fo- you, you focus on the game itself and on the design of the game a lot more so than the technical challenges of just like the math and the physics behind things. So uh, would not recommend personally, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. teach their own. Yeah. Know? But apparently people like to buy 3D games, I guess. So there's that extra there's layer. There is that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Chalosis. If y'all st- decide to stop making games, what business would you pursue? If the world ended nuclearly and the Beastgotch squad survived, what business would you pursue? Oh, shit. Nuclearly, Those are though? two very different yeah. questions. Yeah. In that scenario, I don't know what the infrastructure so is So I like feel anymore. like Chalosa's here sort of like snuck one under the radar, mm-hmm. dropping two questions in one question. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. So so I, for starters, Chalosa's is banned now. I feel for like – Can't be a racket. Too much cheating. Yeah. The, for the nuclear question, I think getting into construction would probably be the best bet. Because everything's going to be, you know, broken or gone. I think getting into murder is also pretty helpful. Yeah. Construction of murder. Because post-apocalyptic scenarios, as I understand it from TV, it's just murder. What if you just constructed graves and then put people in them? That's true. But your time is probably better spent just leaving the bodies somewhere. Yeah. If the world ended nuclearly, (laughs) you want to know martial arts and farming. Those are your – Mm-hmm. Although if it ended nuclearly, you can't, you can't even farm anything yeah, because true. now you got nuclear winter to deal with. And now you're going to be irradiated. So really what you need to know is is nuclear physics? Well, I guess, no, you need to know I a guess it's bio. a question of degrees. You yeah. know, We're talking about how you make money, guys. This is not about survival. This is how but you like, run a business. Yeah, but, will there be money yeah, but like money, you know? money is completely contingent upon you know, no, We've seen fallout. Existing. We know that like bottle caps become a currency in the future. Yeah, it's but also in fallout, this creates problems because now you can just find a bottle cap factory and you can just – 
print money. You can print money and cause inflation. So we need to be bottle cap factory people. Yeah. 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 So if the world ends nuclearly, you figure out what the currency is going to be and, and have become a an economist. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So really what you want to do. So if so, then the to the first question, if we weren't making games, what we do and it's well, whatever is going to be the currency of the nuclear Armageddon, yes. just we will just go it. into that. Yeah. yeah. Next. 100%. That so, way we're prepared. But yeah. nowadays, also making know. nuclear bunkers. Actually, you can make a whole actually, bunch of money no. before the no, before because that yeah, because if if the world does end nuclearly, then being a game developer is the best thing to be. Why? Because everybody is trapped in underground bunkers and now. They can't do. go outside. Yeah. Ah. What are they going to do for entertainment? Play your video. Games. This is how VR becomes mainstream. Exactly. There it is. The nuclear apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's also possible that video games will cause the apocalypse. Because people will just be hanging out inside. They're not going to go outside anymore. All of a sudden, they accidentally stopped farming mm-hmm. and, and doing other stuff. Forget pretty, to eat because the games are so good. The games are so good. Because we can all agree that every year, games get 4% better. Mm-hmm. Just oh, objectively. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And like at this rate, games are getting so good that, that they're just – They're better than real life can even be. Yeah. This is what Ready Player One is. You know? yep. everybody, everybody takes their trailers and they stack them up and then they're like, yeah, I'm good now. I don't have mm-hmm. to – Live in a virtual world. Yeah. Uh, So I think that's good. That's That's pretty good. That covers it. Yep. Next question comes from Fraser underscore. I don't know if the underscore is uh, important, so I'm going to make sure to include that Mm -hmm. in there. Whatever happened to your micro blogging scheme slash shenana feed? Are you still using it? Uh, Yeah. Does it do what it should if you're still using it? I'd love a postmortem of the postmortem tool. It is dead. It's dead. We killed it. Uh, this is a legit post like because ago, it is dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, basically, what we realized was that the the purpose that it was supposed to be serving it hit it was it had the illusion of serving, but was not actually doing for the studio. So the goal yeah. was to basically create a knowledge, uh, like a knowledge repository, knowledge vault for the studio. So if you said like, oh, you know, what happened back at this point, or uh, what were our thoughts on X thing that you could sort of go in there and, and clunk around and find. Well, it. and then and to encourage people to just sort of think more about what they were doing. Yeah. So at the end of your day, you would take this time to, to sort of basically post more of your day. Almost. Yeah. Um, but what we realized is that we had used that essentially in lieu of actually effectively structurally doing those things with all of our processes. So instead of, for example, actively managing people to assist with their projects and make sure that they were on track, we would. Have them write these feeds. It's like, come up with what you're doing, figure out what we're doing, and then just write about it after the fact. So, uh, and then, and then as far as like being a knowledge vault, it also wasn't working because it wasn't searchable in any way. Mm -hmm. And even if it was searchable, it's mostly just noise in there. Yeah. And so it's too hard to actually find shit. So basically it was, it was supposed to be doing this sort of, and I think the reason we, we kept with it for so long is, was that it, it did seem to be doing that. Yeah. And because it was all an illusion. It's pretty much an illusion. So when we started asking that question, like, okay. So we've been doing this feed thing for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you go get information about this newsletter? Actually, the newsletter was actually one of the things. So we've yeah. done a bunch of work on it, Adam and I, and, and put a post into there that was about how the how our newsletter was doing with some graphs and stuff. And every time we wanted to go schedule a new Ballyhoo, we'd be like, oh, yeah, was it like Monday? Like what was the peak times? I can't remember when we studied it. Um, we like, oh, let's go find it. And it would take like 20 minutes to go like dig it out of there. And we sort of were slowly realizing – this is not documentation. Yeah, this no, is not documentation. But our first not. conclusion was actually that we put on my docket as the web developer to like make a new one that mm-hmm. was searchable and that was like the main problem that we that we said we had with it. But then once we did a DevOps turnaround yes. um, and started doing production meetings and all this kind of stuff, all of a sudden 
it was like literally the day after or the day of our first production meeting. We all knew what we were supposed to do. We all knew what everybody else was doing. We all had our task list. Like everything was like everyone knew exactly what was going on. And then we all that night at the end of the day sat down to write our feed entries and we were all like this is redundant as fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. and like we all immediately were just like we hate this why are we doing this and we tried it for another like two or three days just to see and and that that was ended up being yeah. what the feature well, was because this was also our, our shift into DevOps was coupled with uh, moving all of our documentation into Notion yes which is searchable and it's hierarchical and it's very easy to find stuff and you can link things together and so so actually by creating a, a place that is exactly meant for just documentation and then our, our procedure there was to say, if, you, if you're doing something that somebody else in the company might ever have to do, or if you might ever have to do mm-hmm. again. It, and it's harder and it's harder to figure out, or it's hard to figure out with a cursor to Google search. Yeah. You can't just Google it. Yeah. So meaning like there's an actual procedure that we have, you know. And maybe some troubleshooting that we had to go through yeah. or whatever. I think it's really important. To note, so I, I'm reading this book, uh, The Sources of Power book, which is an old it's a, it's a classic in uh, sort of psychology and how people make decisions. And they had this, such a funny example of of a thing like this, which is sort of why this documentation is super important. And it's because most problems that you hand off to someone, even if they seem completely simple, because you're, the example they give is is you broke a mug at home and you ask your spouse to go get you some glue when they're out. Like, oh, you're running a grocery store? Pick me up some glue. Right. And the person's like, okay, they go to the grocery store or the hardware store or whatever, and they show up and then there's a bunch of different glues. Yep. So the question is, which glue? And then if it's like, okay, well, we need one that can bind ceramics together. So like, let's get a, like a super glue of some sort. Well, there's, there's the quick drying ones that basically instantly adhere. And then there's the slow drying ones. So like, do we have a clamp at home so I can clamp these together? Right. And then or, you're like, can I eat off this glue? Is this yeah, glue is this safe? Can be safe? Is it, yeah. And then, but is like, is my partner dexterous enough to glue this in, in, put it on effectively so that they don't have to re-break it off if it's a super quick drying one. Like mm-hmm. all these questions actually come out of it, which make it. And, a, and this also assumes that you even told them that it's for a mug. Yes. Because yeah. you may have just been like, I need some glue. Exactly. <laughs> and they might've just left because it's usually what people do. Like, okay, cool. I'll grab you some glue. I can figure it out. Yeah. Glue is glue. And so it's one of those things where we found like a lot of increasing power in, in actually sitting down and, in putting all this stuff out. So last week when I left, uh, I turned, uh, posting of the patch notes over to uh, Sampada and realized because I was like, oh, I just you, know, you just put them in these places, and then I was typing out all the stuff you have to do to do it, and I was like, holy shit, this is this is a thing. Like this mm-hmm. is a this is a whole process. For and there converting. were still some things that got in the way. Yeah, yeah which was we, like various per- account permissions, yeah, and, right? That you that you didn't know about at the time because you had sufficient permissions, so you weren't go. looking for those problems, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, everything is dramatically more complicated than it seems, yeah. especially if you've been doing it for a long time because you don't even realize. It, you can't even tell. Yeah, as an expert, mm-hmm. you have all the context. So, uh, yeah, documentation, very important. Shenana feed, not actually not that not actually that good. As yeah, it, as so that. basically I just – I did a data dump of the database and put it into our, uh, Git, our Git repository. So we have – Which is looked at it. amusingly is actually searchable, so – we yeah. actually can search for and, stuff. And yeah, and as also using as Sam noted, we've literally never looked at it. Again. Nope. <laughs> we have not look, I've not looked at it once. I, I had everybody look at it just to make sure that, that I was correct, that everything was there. Mm-hmm. You so didn't get I, all of it. Yeah, so that way I could burn down the database comfortably and not worry about it. So we got it all, but still all exists. Um, it's it's basically, it's like, what, two years of, yeah, I think two years notes. of daily notes from like what was going on this year, which is, which is kind of a cool record to have. Uh, it is interesting and nothing else. Yeah, but it's only interesting. Yeah, you can reread it and be like, hmm. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fa- I mean, fact is, too, we also have the podcast. 
Yep. Yeah. Uh, if like going back and listening to where our minds were at any given week, you know, like we already have that kind of an archive. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's it's is equally non searchable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it all, would it would take an enormous amount of time to get through. Yeah, it. and we still and we can't use it for documentation, et cetera. Like we already have it, you know, with yep. the podcast, so we're yep. good. The next question comes from My Secret Weapon. Some of my favorite games of all time received very unfavorable reviews. Too Human is a great example of that. So why is it that I still find it hard to purchase a game if the review score is less than 7.5 out of 10? I see this with a lot of people. Why is it the difference between 7 and 9 out of 10 seems as large as the difference between 1 and 7 out of 10? Because the reality (laughs) is that these are not on a 10-point spectrum. Yeah. There's either a recommend or do not recommend. Yeah, truthfully, right? So for for everybody, I think everybody sets a benchmark around. For me, it's about seven and a half too, which is like if something's below seven and a half, I'm generally like, well, it's probably not worth my time. Yeah, you. I mean, you almost see you almost never see something at fifty percent even. Yeah, but also that's just it's also because proportionally, if you think about it as a Steam review, mm-hmm. then the difference in the number of people reviewing positively and negatively is very low between one and seven out of ten, right? So like, maybe so if if something has a fifty percent, uh approval rate that means one in two people liked it right right mm-hmm. something has a 33 percent uh that means one in three people liked it mm-hmm. right which is actually not like not a huge difference mm-hmm. but if something has a 98 percent versus a 99 percent then that difference is one in uh mm-hmm. 20 right. or one in 50 versus one in 100 mm-hmm. right uh, did not like it. Right. So as you as you're getting closer to as you get closer to the extremes, then the differences the, are more the differences meaningful. are very pronounced. Right. right. So I think it actually is perfectly reasonable to say like if if a game has a 66 percent, it's probably not worth it because mm-hmm. hardly anybody actually likes it. But the distinction between a 90 percent and a 99 percent game is dramatic because that's one in 10 versus one in 100 people who didn't like the game. Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. But the question here is, of course, like given that I like games that do get that 70% or whatever, uh, why do I give a shit about that at all? Because right. you have so many options. You have so yeah. many options and you have no way to actually There's no way to find out. And it, but I think when it comes to what those numbers mean too, you have to remember that, that what matters the most is not actually what the ratings are, what the game is. It's who is doing the ratings yes. of that specific game and under what conditions, right? Because as we talked about in the past before, if you make a game free, mm-hmm. then your review score goes down because people have not bought into it already. They're just actually just scoping it out and are already kind of assuming the worst and giving it as minimal time. Or they're just not the sort of person who would ever buy the game in the first place. Exactly. You're, you're, or, you're 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 hit now, right? or they're reviewing the game's monetization method and not yep. the game mm-hmm. itself. Yep. Or maybe uh, they're too closely linked. Right. Fun and, and now also take the case where it's it's a game that you are charging people for. And, and now let's say on your launch day, you get a Steam pop-up, mm-hmm. right? The Steam pop-up is not targeted. Yep. So every every possible person who can see this thing is going to see this thing, which means that you're going to have a whole and, and there's way more people who when you're not targeting than there are when you are targeting, right? Yes. So you just know this blanket where you're just like hitting everybody and then trying to pull people in, and because there are so many people who actually would probably not normally get targeted who are now seeing this thing, they actually overwhelm the people who mm-hmm. are the appropriate audience for this thing. So even if only a tiny fraction of those actually come and check out and then buy your game, that actually is a large population relative to the population who would like it. Right. right. Yep. And so now all of a sudden your your review score actually goes down uh, because of the, the lack of targeting of yep. the thing. Your success in principle goes up, right? But your review score goes down. Yeah. Because people are going to like it a little less because it's a little less for them. Yeah. And you'll, and you'll also see this too. If you look at the tail of a game, um, the tail typically has a better review score than the launch. 
mm-hmm. right? Because in the tail, people are finding it because they're looking for it specifically. But during launch, they are discovering it for the first it's time. a little bit more globally advertised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so it, it all is just so dependent. Like yeah. the review scores don't mean that much. I think the thing that I'm always confident is if I, if I do see mixed – because yes. you see mixed like on Steam, which means fifty percent basically. Uh, when you see that, that typically means that the game is broken. Is like almost always what that's meant. It's when I've seen usually it. what that means. It doesn't always though. Yeah, I think the because I've seen that on I've seen that on most of the extremely popular games will at some mm-hmm. point be mixed for a while. Yeah. So like Ark, for example, I think most yeah. of the time I look at that, it's mixed or yeah, it's, people, yeah, like, people like, get pissed off. Yeah, it's yeah. also yeah. possible that that. Uh, the game is generally fine, but once you spent 3,000 hours in it, then yeah. it starts to fall apart. And then yeah. you're like, oh, fuck this. And, and people go update the review scores and actually. Right. So. Which means that, you know, for 20 bucks, you're going to only get 3,000 hours of entertainment. Yeah. I think my, and then my favorite thing, though, is when uh, so Adam sort of blew my mind when we were talking about something like this when we were talking about like, if, you, if you bring a ruler over to measure a table, you are equally measuring the ruler with the table. Yeah. As you are the table with the ruler, right? So you could say, yeah, this table is like six rulers long. Also, this ruler is one six of the table. So, because <laughs> which one of those is, which one of those means anything? Yeah, neither yeah. mean anything. And so, you have to keep in mind when someone reviews your game. There's a good thing you know when you're looking at this uh, on with, for critique and stuff too. Is you have to keep in mind the audience. It's like we've had people critique Crashlands, for example, um, who just hated it, mm-hmm. and it's fine. Yeah, we but, we always come back to that one giant bomb. The, the uh, destructoid, or just dest- yeah, destructoid. Yeah, where they yeah. they hated it so much they didn't even write a review because they wrote a preview yeah. saying. Basically, this game is absolute trash. Uh, <laughs> You're so bad. I I can't. It's just a mobile port. I port, can't play it anymore in order to bring myself like to write a review. Mm-hmm. I don't even. And want so to touch you, have, it. you have to understand that like that's it says equally as much about the reviewer as it does about the game, right? And in fact, you have to keep both those things in mind when looking at that. So that's why when you get a really large range of uh, positive votes from a broad, like a very diverse mm-hmm. set of people. Uh, that's where it gets really interesting because you know you would probably actually have something very, very good. Yeah. Right? But when it's just a few um, and then you get like, you know, a stinker in there or whatever else, it, it can hurt a lot, but you got to realize that it's not necessarily. Yeah, well, it, yeah, and it's funny, right? Because you see – because a lot of it is that there are going to be reviews that feel unfair, right? Because yeah. it's like this isn't actually about the game and whatever. Right. But again, it's it's what it is. It's that person reviewing themselves in relation to the game. And so – because we had one of, one of the ones we were really annoyed by, one of the level head reviews – was one by somebody who loved the game, just fucking loved it. Um, but then they played some uh, user level and hated the, the level that that user had made, right? And so then they were upset, oh, yeah, they right? Gave, <laughs> so they gave the game a negative review. They gave the game a the negative review, game, yeah, yeah. the whole game, even though they love the game, basically because it has user-generated content in it, mm-hmm. right? Um, like that that was the thing that, that took them from like a stellar game to being really upset about yeah. it, right? Which which is equally frustrating and fair in the sense that if we advertise the game as a user-generated content game, mm-hmm. but if if we are somehow not delivering the, the user-generated content to that person that they want, you know? Yeah. Because um, yeah, everybody has their own expectations, like you said. It's all it, – it goes both ways. A review is not just about the game, but it's about how the game hit that person's expectations about what they thought it should be, you right. know? Yeah. Well, so, this is why when I when I read reviews now, and, and typically I'm only reading reviews for other games because it's too frustrating to read them for our own. You know, but <laughs> when, I, when I'm like when I'm on Steam looking for a game and I and I see the review score, then I go look at reviews to understand. Because my first question when I see a review score is always why why is the review score this yes. way? I want to understand what the people like. What is the attitude of the people that lead to this? Because that's the real question. Because now if you go look at those negative reviews, so if you see something that's like a seventy five percent or whatever, if you look at those negative reviews and you see a trend, which is basically just people who are like, I hate story games or whatever, yep. right? And this is a story game, therefore thumbs down, right? Because that, like, honestly, most of the sort of like in that category when you're like the 70s to the 80s on Steam, mm-hmm. yeah. 
that there's like there's there's basically there's typically a small number of reasons why people don't like the thing. It's always, there's technical and it's always issues. about the people. Yeah, there's technical issues. Is right. always the the one that adds some stuff there, and the other one is is just yeah. some mismatch of expectations, yeah. right? And so so what you can then do as a as a as a person trying to understand is go look at what the mismatch was between yeah. like the the player and their expectations, and then ask yourself the question: Do I care about that? Do I care about yeah. that? And if the do answer I is no, that? do I hate yeah, exactly. story games, uh, et, cetera, et cetera? Yeah, then then you're actually going to be fine. Um, and I see the same thing with, I mean, this is true with movies too, right? It's like if I'm on Google Play trying to find out like looking at the new releases because I, because I, you know, I wait until things go out on rent and then I rent them on Google Play and watch them basically. And uh, so I'm always like trying to find out what the, like the movies that I remember hearing about a year ago now that I can now go watch mm-hmm. finally, you know, but, I'm, but I don't know if they're any good. So like, you know, I'm looking at Google Play and Google Play and Rotten Tomatoes have uncorrelated reviews. Yes. Literally uncorrelated. So there'll be a thing on, on Google Play that's like that's like four and a half stars with like 10,000 reviews or whatever. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like a 30%. Yeah. You know? And, well, so like, and even better is sometimes on Rotten Tomatoes because they show the critic score and the exactly, audience. Exactly. Yeah. my favorite thing. And it's like yeah. critics, 32%. Audience, 93%. Yep, yeah. What? Yep. And again, because it's like, it's what are you looking for in that, in that product? And because again, the review is not about the product. It's about the mismatch between what the person was looking for in that product and what they got. Mm-hmm. Right? And if people... And, and, I, and I think this is like, there's no better example of this than No Man's Sky. Yeah. Right. The review actually wasn't about the quality of the game at all. That's not what it was about. No. It was about the mismatch between what people thought the game was going to be and then what they got. Yeah. And the reason it was so overwhelmingly negative was because of just how strong people's expectations were and how big the difference was between those mm-hmm. and what they got. It actually was not about the game as it was. It was about what they thought the game right. was going to be. Well, the whole point which is, is mostly what a review is. Well, the actually. point is that what you're getting from a review is not, it's not just a review of the game, right? It's, it's actually a review of the marketing around the game yeah. and the game. And then your experience, your experience of it, of given it. your expectations, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so it's complicated. And I think, I think honestly, I think that the review score itself is, is basically useless, except as an indicator to say whether or not you should go read some of the reviews. Yeah. And so if the review score is below your threshold, but you think you're interested in the game, just go start reading some of the reviews. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how I also treat stuff on Amazon, right? Cause Amazon reviews are also, basically they're useless, weirdly, right? They're either five stars or one, like everything yeah. seems to have a U-shaped graph yeah. to me. And you so know, the question is always like, what What are the negative reviews? And is this stuff that I'm worried about or that I can deal with? Right. Cause it's, cause it's like on Amazon, it's always like, uh, this came broken. Right? Oh yeah. Right. And you're like, it's not about the product. Yeah. You got it. Like, <laughs> Yep, so or, or even just like it. took too long to get here. Yeah, it's it's like the, so. So I you like, yeah. <laughs> so you got to go find like you got to go find the meat and find the things that are like actually wrong because then there all also be things like you know for maybe an expensive uh, electronics product like a TV or something you know. And I remember when I was when I was shopping for TVs, like I spent so much time reading reviews, and they were it was so hard to figure out what to make of it, right? Because like one person would say literally the opposite of what the other person was saying, mm-hmm. and so on. And and eventually I figured out like, oh, okay, what well, is actually revealing is quality control issues, right? Mm. But then as while well, I was reading through this thing, because it would be like there'd be like dead pixels or like weird backlighting issues or whatever. Um, but then I would see that in all these cases, Amazon like would make an exchange. They'd just you, replace like, it. They would replace yeah. it. And of course, it's a big pain in the ass, especially for an expensive product to keep on doing the cycle. Yeah. But it then just becomes Amazon's problem, right? And like that means you also won't get your TV right now if like one comes broken, but it also means you'll get a TV that works eventually if yours comes broken. Mm-hmm. So sure, frustrating. But if you're yeah, spending you a can, lot of money on a TV, like just deal with that. Ride that Zeno's paradox. You know, if one percent of the TVs exactly. you get are broken, you might get you might be unlucky and get thirty three of them in a row. <laughs> right. But at some point, at you're some point, you're going to get one that's fine. That's working. Yeah. And so, so, <laughs> but that's of course like if you can if you can deal with that frustration, yeah. right? And and so on. So so again, like you have to you have to understand what the reviewers are saying and how that relates to yourself far more than what. Than, than even the product. All right, now let's let's curmu- let's go full curmudgeon on this. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, back in the day, back in my day, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. 
movie come out and then you'd see a trailer or something on TV. Or well, no, you'd, you'd see uh, – and you'd see the trailer, but you also see uh, – what, what the fuck are the, what are the Thumbs guys' names? Siskel and Ebert. Mm-hmm. Siskel and Ebert. You'd see their thing in the newspaper. In the newspaper, yeah. they'd be like, yeah, it's pretty good or it's fine mm-hmm. or nah, it's not that good, right? But that was basically the extent of what you had. And, and also I disagreed with them most of the time. They yeah. weren't really big on action movies. That's true. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, there wasn't enough story in this action movie. You're like, yes, exactly. Perfect. I'm <laughs> going to go see that. Your negative review is my positive yeah. review. Uh, yeah. And then what you would do is go just see a movie and it was generally fine. Yep. Um, it is true that like, I don't really remember thinking any movies were bad growing up. Yeah. You, you just know? go and you'd be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, just things that I experienced. Yeah. Like even, even uh, there's only been maybe like two times in my life that I've gone to see a movie and I was just like, no, this is, I just, yeah. and this is, this is long, like this is, these are actually recent, more recent movies and like the, in the era of reviews. And there were sometimes movies that were actually reviewed generally kind of favorably. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it kind of makes you think, is, is this mad? Like, have we lost something? Have we lost some mm-hmm. uh, like sense of autonomy, like of independence and autonomy by just refusing to partake in something Unless an overwhelming number of other people have already like stamped it with their well, I approval, think the problem is basically one of if there's just again it comes back to attention, right? There's just too many things, and we need some way. Yeah, you except, have some filter, but you don't though. No, you do. Because here's the thing: if you just go on to like Steam or Epic or whatever, and you're just like, I want to play a game, I want to play a strategy game. You just like go to strategy games, pick one. Like you just go in like the well, top. Go, go in like this is what I'm saying. But yeah, just, we'll just like, go to the maybe go to the popular list or, mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Which is generally like that's what it used to be if you would go to uh, – Because the popular list used to be things that were successfully marketed. Right. Yeah. Uh, which honestly mean, still is. Right. Which means is. that like, yeah, if something's popular, then like it's marketed well or it's spread by word of mouth or it was published by a large studio. It means lots of budget. people are playing it. Generally speaking, it means a lot of people are playing it, which means it's probably fine. Mm-hmm. Right. And like that's exactly the kind of experience you would have if you went to uh, Target or CompUSA, you know, back yeah, in the Yeah, the stuff day. that can make it into the, the store. Stuff that stuff landed, that the yeah, the stuff that landed on the shelf was generally fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so instead where we've landed now is is you go to these storefronts and you just sort of like endlessly peruse looking at all these these randos just raving about who knows what, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, I, I tried to watch uh, Infinity War with my five monitors side by side and it didn't look that good. Well, I think there's, a, there's an interesting <laughs> note there, which is because I've seen this on YouTube comments too before. People are like – people say something in the comments and it will be very highly voted up about like quit reading this comment and watch the video mm-hmm. because there's actually – it's an interesting note that that reading the reviews or reading the comments on something is itself a form of entertainment. Yep. Yeah. And so And it's far it's far deeper than the thing itself because the comments just keep coming. Oh, they're infinite. They never yeah, stop. It's like coming. Used, yeah, it's this user generated content. Yeah. Right? And, so, and I've, I found myself falling into this trap with like if I start playing a game that I really like, at some point I will land on the community forums or the mm-hmm. subreddit or whatever. And then over time I end up just spending way more time just reading what people think about the game than actually playing the, the game yeah. itself. Mm-hmm. And then I just you unilaterally have a far worse time. Yeah. Just <laughs> Well, especially in those contexts, most of what you see is, is the people who've been playing the game for a long time that can only see its flaws now, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's then, what people then, love then, to then, talk about the most. Yeah, that's what yeah. they talk about the most is the things they don't like. And so then this starts. So then you might you might go into that environment having basically having a good time and no real ill will towards the game. And then you then read you, like literally three posts and you're like, oh yeah, I don't like that either. Oh shit, I don't like this. You know, like and all of a sudden like it all starts. All you can think about is the negative shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I think. I think there's something to be said for just not giving a fuck and just kind of liking what you like. Yeah, yeah. Because I, well, I was I was noticing that one of my one of my favorite uh, PC games is Stellaris. 
Mm-hmm. It's a space sort of like civilization building strategy games, game, yeah. kind of. Yeah. And so um, it, I, I'm actually not really that big on strategy games. I don't play a lot of strategy games, but I, I picked up Stellaris uh, quite a while back, like several years ago when I hurt my back. And I ended up just like laying in bed playing Stellaris for like two days straight. And it was fucking awful. Right? <laughs> um, uh-huh. And so they just had a free weekend this past weekend. And so I saw something in the news about it. So then I went and just like checked that out and see what's going on with the game these days. And I saw that it has a 70, like a 73% hmm. uh, on Steam. And I'm like, this is one of the best games I've ever, I've ever played. <laughs> uh, right. And what did it have before? The free weekend, about like seventy-seven or something. Okay. It, it dropped a little bit during the free weekend, but I think it's, it's also it's a complex enough game that it being free didn't really matter to people. They're still just like, I'm afraid of this. And like, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, okay, yeah, you sent you sent a note out to us this weekend. You're like, hey, this is free, and I was like, like that's, like, that's not that a, that's not me. sufficient. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be paid to play yeah. that one. And, and I mean, you saw the same thing. Like when Eve Online went free, they had yeah. a, they had a spike for like a week of new players coming in, and then it literally changed nothing, right? Yep. Because like mm-hmm. Eve Online is a game that has a reputation of being so hard to learn and taking so much time to figure out that the money is not the cost. Yeah, yeah. it's the time. People are the still not wearing, not, not not willing to bear that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I I do think that it's it's worth taking the experiment. Maybe of like in the next couple of weeks when you're if you're looking for a show to watch, if you're looking for a movie, if you're looking for a game, just fucking grab one. Mm-hmm. Don't even look at the mm-hmm. reviews. Yeah, this has actually been true. Too. So my, you'll probably have a much better time. Yeah, yeah, my wife and I share our Kindle library. So like we're each buying it's just like we, we're interested in completely different genres of stuff. But then we end up with this like cumulative library of just all kinds of stuff. And my wife uh, has also she reads so many books. She like last year she read 125 Jesus fucking books. Right. So she reads so many. She's books. sort of like a wood chipper. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that her library then of, as a you know over like a decade or whatever is is rather substantial to the point where like the number of my, like my books in this cumulative list are, like are dwarfed by mm-hmm. her stuff. But I also don't know anything about any of her books because they're not the stuff that I read. Right. And so what, what in the past, mostly what I would do is I would like go through and like try to and like, like open up the book to try to figure out what it was about, and like see if it was something I'd want to read. Cause of course I'd rather just read a book that's already available and buy another mm-hmm. one. And, uh, and then this last weekend I just like picked one. I was like, whatever. I was like, I don't know what yeah. this is. And I just started reading it. Um, and it ended up being this kind of, uh, it actually ended up being a book that my wife hasn't read yet. Um, but it's like some, uh, weird, like, like vampire, romance thing is kind oh, of what it turned out to be. Great. And uh, I had a fucking great time with it. <laughs> yeah, I actually did the exact same thing. I think it was a month ago. I was like, I want to find something to read, but I'm sick of this. Like I'm sick of just looking through lists of thousands of things, trying yeah. to find the thing for me. Mm-hmm. So I just like picked a random category. I think, I think it ended up being romance. And then I, I just grabbed the, like the top thing mm-hmm. turned out to be some kind of like sci-fi drama thing about like a company that found a gene that you have a mirror gene in one other person in the world and that person is your soulmate so they like they created this world where like what is dating like in this world where now you will only ever be happy if you're with your soulmate and without that people tend to just kind of like treat their relationships dystopian sci-fi yeah yeah so like i was just like yeah this is cool (laughs) you know and i didn't i didn't actually even know what it was about like you said i just i didn't read the description I just saw the cover. I'm like, okay. And I just picked it. Sweet abs, but with like a sci-fi vibe. On yeah. Sci-fi abs. Yeah. And I, I think that, that, uh, that like choice paralysis that comes with having so many different things to choose from is that you end up missing out on so many great, uh, yeah. different experiences that you just, cause you think you need to find the perfect thing. Yeah. Cause the yeah. fact is that most experiences are fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. You know, it's a good word about so dang yeah. much. Yeah. 
I think that's, a, that's, a, that's a good spot to hang our hat this week. Yeah, I most, think. most things are fine and then you die. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Death comes Death to comes us all. To us all. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all the time we have. We'd like to thank our producers, <laughs> uh, Fat Bart and Jen Coster, for putting this podcast together. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net. We got uh, merch, links to stuff, links to Discord, podcast archives. Just all, all kinds of shit. Uh, so thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.